0: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to start with a prayer. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All desires known, no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Lord, may our hearts be open this morning, Help us to know you more, so that we may love you more. Amen. So the theme this summer is stories around the campfire. Someone asked me what my favorite Bible story was, and after thinking about it for a while, what got stuck in my head was actually my absolute least favorite Bible story. If I'm in church and someone starts preaching on Mary and Martha, I'd probably need to check if I was needed in kids' zone. So how awful is it that this is the story I'm going to be talking about today? Something that I'm learning is that the things that are difficult for us, those are often the things that we need to take a closer look at. We need to let God show us why they are hard and open our hearts to let God start to work. The reality is that any personal or spiritual growth doesn't normally happen easily or without some level of vulnerability. Although he made this statement in a different context, I think it's relevant here. Frederick Frederick Douglass said, Without a struggle, there can be no progress. This morning, I'm going to share why the story of Mary and Martha challenges me. Through this story, Jesus has challenged me to dig a little deeper, and by opening my heart up to that, I'm starting to learn from him. The reason I'm willing to share some personal experiences is that I expect that at least some of these challenges may resonate with others. If you can see yourself in my struggles, we should talk. We could probably learn from each other. As uncomfortable as this will be, here we go. My least favorite Bible story to share around our virtual campfire. So from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem... You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I think we all see ourselves in the stories of the Bible. If you imagine yourself in this story about Jesus visiting Mary and Martha, who are you? Who do you most identify with? Mary sat with Jesus, wanting to listen to him. Martha generously invited Jesus into her home and was working very hard to provide him with a big meal. How many of us enjoy serving others, blessing others with the service of hospitality? Those that know me well may have already guessed that the reason the story of Mary and Martha is so difficult for me is that I am 100% on Team Martha. I wear the Team Martha colors, I've got the jersey, and I'm waving the flag, shouting, Go, Martha! You tell them. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me! At this point in the story, Team Martha is going wild. Surely Jesus will see the injustice and make it right. What a shock to Martha, and what a disappointment! Maybe even frustration for those of us on Team Martha. We expect Jesus to rectify the injustice. And then he tells us that Team Mary is doing it best. What a blow! But what if those of us on Team Martha were to dig a little deeper? Contemplate our choices, our motivations... Investigate the uncomfortable insecurities that are contributing to being worried and upset over these things. The first reason this story is hard for me is just reality. Many of us live very busy lives. We have two young kids that are very demanding. I have a husband, friendships, family and community relationships to invest in. I work full-time. I try to support Lawrence as well as I can so that he can do his best as a stay-at-home, homeschooling parent. And let's not forget to highlight the reality of messes in my life that demand attention. Dirty dishes, dirty laundry, dirty floors, dirty bathrooms, dirty children. Well, you get it. The reality is that there aren't enough hours in any day for my ongoing to-do list. I can't see you, but I think many people are probably nodding their heads right now. We are too busy. I'll say this in a very Team Martha sort of way, but Martha's reality in the story was that Jesus was staying for dinner, and, well, somebody's got to put food on the table. I sincerely apologize to everyone that thought I might have a great solution to this reality that many of us are facing. I don't. The part that I am curious about, though, is examining why we are so busy. Are we making at least some choices that make us A little busier than we need to be, if I am uncomfortably honest with myself and dig a little deeper, I can find a few reasons why my own reality is maybe at least a little bit busier than it needs to be, and why I struggle to find the quiet time to sit at Jesus's feet. I'm hoping that maybe some of this will resonate with you. So I was feeling pretty stressed in March and April about many things, I'm sure many of you were feeling stressed as well. For me, I was even stressed about the uncertainty of uh, potentially losing my job, which is our family's primary income. Since I was working from home, I had no commute time, and like everyone else, pretty much all of our activities had been cancelled. Even though I was figuring out working from home, I was finding myself a bit less busy and was genuinely thankful for that. Instead of using that change in busyness to dive deep into prayer and look for God's help in my feelings of helplessness, I busied myself. I started a group that would sew masks for frontline workers. So clearly, God and I have some work to do there so that I will be able to see these things for what they are in advance and not just clearly in hindsight. Despite this tendency of mine, I have found that meeting with a spiritual director has helped me to develop tools and different ways of praying. So although I'm still making bad choices, if I can slow down long enough to make good choices, I have a growing set of options for connecting with God, sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary. Expanding my understanding of prayer through spiritual direction has also helped me pray while I'm doing those necessary but mindless tasks on my to-do list. When I'm at my best, I'm able to connect with God even when I'm washing dishes or commuting or snuggling kids to sleep. I can wash the dishes while watching Netflix since that's one of my favorite ways to numb out from stress and all my uncomfortable emotions from the day. Or I can make the good choice and wash the dishes and spend time talking to Jesus about just how hard my day was. If I choose that better option, I can be reminded of how God sees me. My bike commute changed a little in March when I started working from home. Instead of biking to work, I now bike five kilometers from my back door all the way back to my front door. During my commute, I can choose to spend my time in prayer. The prayer I started with today was my bike commute anthem for many months, the start to my biking prayer time. I wish I could say that I'm always choosing the better option. I'm not. But I think I'm slowly getting better at choosing the better option more often. Again, if we stay curious about our motivations for being or staying busy, we might continue to learn about ourselves and our insecurities. I might be projecting some of my own insecurities onto Martha, but I wonder whether she felt she needed to hustle for her worth to demonstrate her value, to demonstrate that she was worthy of love from other people and from Jesus. I'm going to call this hustling for your worth. This is something that I think I've been doing my entire life. Hustling, busting my butt to achieve, accomplish, serve. And I've come to believe that what is underneath all of that is trying to show that I'm worthy of love. If I'm not doing something, achieving something, I nearly feel lost. I find it extremely difficult to sit still and not do something. As difficult as it is for me to admit it, the need to hustle to demonstrate value is a lie that my heart has believed for a long time. It has only been over the past few years that I've become aware of this. And since then, I believe that God has been rewriting this for me. He is helping me to unlearn this lie and has been replacing it with his truths. I was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to my daughter Luanne last week. And at the end of the story about Adam and Eve, after they've eaten the fruit, the book reads, And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. Reading this was a great reminder to me that this lie I have believed about hustling for my worth to demonstrate my value, to show that I'm worthy of being loved, that lie that I've believed is the work of the enemy. I don't know if anyone else struggles with this, but for me, it takes a long time for a belief to move the very short distance from my brain where I can believe it intellectually, to where I can believe it in my heart. So I am thankful that God is patient. He is patient in teaching a rather stubborn student to sit at his feet and be still. He is teaching me that I am loved and valued, regardless of achievements or my own efforts. I sort of expect that this unlearning will continue until I meet Jesus. God has been doing this in many different ways big and small. I'd like to share one experience from last year. Last summer, I had an unexpected injury that led to a lot of quiet time. I broke my leg while we were on vacation in BC and unfortunately did a pretty good job of it. After surgery, I was in hospital for four nights, after which we started the long drive home. As far as I was concerned, I had the easy option. Between the pain and pain medication, I was not able, I was not capable of parenting. So Lawrence had to do all that on his own. He did almost all the parenting, not just for the ride home, but for the next several months. He would put me to bed just like the kids, helped me get into the bath, made me food and brought it to me when I didn't have the energy to even get to the table. He cleaned up after all of us. He drove me to appointments and to work. He encouraged me and listened to me. Through those months, I felt Lawrence's love intensely through his efforts to care for me and our family. There were many moments, and still moments when I think of it now, that I feel overwhelmed with gratitude for his love. He loved me when I felt useless. Perhaps even worthless because I felt useless. I believe that God was using this experience to teach my heart about his perfect love for me, which is unchanging regardless of what I'm able to do, what I achieve, or even what I fail to achieve. His love for me is unchanging. His love is generous. My experience last summer makes me think of Romans 8, verse 28. This verse will be familiar to many, but I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Translation, so it may sound a bit different. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. I want to go back to our campfire story for a moment and focus on Jesus' response to Mary. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, specifically the part of the story when Jesus responds to Martha. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Is God saying that to you today? Did you hear the affection in how Jesus addresses Martha? God knows me. God knows the things that I struggle with. I'm going to trust that God is helping me to be less distracted. He's helping me to focus on the most important thing. I already mentioned that I believe that this will be a lifelong unlearning and learning for me. And to close, I want to share a few of my go-to verses that remind me of the untruth that I need to hustle for my worth. So the first one is from Psalm 139. Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He knows me intimately and he still loves me. There's loads of room for improvement, but he loves me today, the way that I am. Another verse that I uh, find great comfort in is Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. He delights in me. Another uh, verse I'd like to close with is John 14, verses 1 to 4. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. He's making plans for me, plans for us to be together. These three, verses, these three uh, verses remind me that God created us, he delights in us, and he is making plans for us to be together. I would like to close in a short prayer. Thank you, Father, for making each of us unique. Thank you for loving us regardless of where we are falling short, regardless of what we achieve, what we do right or what we do wrong. Help us to live in that freedom and help us to have open hearts so that we can continue to grow in our knowledge and love for you. Amen.